Welcome back into another episode of The Owen Show. I'm Owen Burke, joined alongside by Tim Hunt, per usual. Tim, how are you doing today? Well, we're not really alongside. We're, alongside. we're virtual. but Virtually know, alongside each other. Virt- virtually alongside of each other. Spiritually like alongside each other. Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, had a nice week off. Um, I got to spend spend time with my girlfriend on her birthday. Got to go home for the weekend. So it's definitely a... a I mean, work is still work, obviously. You're never going to escape that grind. But personally, a very relaxing week was needed. Good, good. How did? How was your week off? Uh, uneventful. Just just stayed on my grind, but just didn't have to spend, you know, four or five hours working on a podcast. So. Working on a show, yeah. <laughs> that was pretty much the only thing it saved me. So. Yeah, that's, I, was, I was the same way, which I was kind of surprised by how much time it freed up. I was like, I feel like, I don't know. I'm happy to be back. I'll tell you that I am. much. That yeah, is, I was uh, ready. A week was good. Yeah, I was. I was itching by Sunday. I was like, man, I'm. I'm jazzed. <laughs> All right. Well, no fan questions this week. Um, so we're just gonna hop straight into it. Obviously, into the NFL offseason. Um, if you've been living under a rock, the Super Bowl happened, and now we get into the nerdy side of the NFL, which is the money and the draft and the free agency and all the fun stuff that comes with the off season and all the drama that comes with the off season, which if you're a Cardinals fan kind of sucks, but if you're a fan of every other team, it's kind of fun to watch from the outside looking in. So before we get to all the quarterback talk we have today, I want to take a quick look ahead at the NFL draft, kind of a rough, a super rough mock kind of threw it together at the last second. Obviously we, this stuff never really leaves our, our heads at all. Um, all of us are looking forward to the draft. Even if you're a winning team, you have to look at the draft because, I mean, you can't get any better without, you know, the guys you bring in, unless you're the Rams and you pick in the right. fifth round. So um, we're just going to we're gonna do top five today because I guarantee this is going to kill enough time as is. And yeah, we're, we're going to do we're going to do an episode that's going to be fully dedicated to the draft. So, mm-hmm. um this this isn't all the draft talk you're gonna get. We'll definitely do a deep dive. We might even maybe maybe you know a little teaser there in the in the biz. Uh, maybe we'll have a special guest for that episode. So we'll see. Yeah, we might have to do that. But today, just a quick rough top five mock draft. Obviously, everyone's been looking at this. We've been looking at this extra long because these were obviously set. These picks were set in place before the postseason started. Um, so pick one. Jacksonville Jaguars have been on the clock for a couple weeks. Technically, they're on the clock still. Do you want to go first? Or you want me to? Um. Well, first question. Well, I got two questions before okay. we start this. Do you Bring want me to try to do the draft noise every time on every pick? The, you know, the little ding, 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 or whatever it is. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, if you feel confident, I'm no, all for I it. I don't. That was awful. Like if that was if that came out re- like <laughs> decently good at all, I would be like, you know what? I'm going to do this every time. But I'm going to do this. That was awful. So we're well, not going to do it. We're going to practice. Don't, why don't Why don't you run through your top five, and then we'll go. You run through your top five. I'll run through mine, and then we'll go pick by pick. How about that? Okay, sounds good. So my number one overall pick is the Jacksonville Jaguars. I have Evan Neal, the tackle out of Alabama, the Lions, Aiden Hutchinson from Michigan. I have the Texans taking Kyle Hamilton out of Notre Dame at three. The Jets taking Charles Cross out of was it Mississippi State? Is Ole Miss? Uh, uh, Ole Miss. Ole Miss. Okay. And then at five, my 
This is one where I was like, I want to get weird. Uh, the Giants. I have the Giants taking Kenny Pickett at five. You you have more weird picks than I think you probably realize. Probably realize, yeah. yeah. That's all good. It's a rough draft. We're not even – this yeah. is just because I want to – I was like a lot of time to change. Yeah. I was sitting here and I'm typing up everything and I'm like, I, I just, I'm, I got to talk about it. I have to, it's, it's too much fun not to talk about. So, um, for me, I have first pick, I have the Jags going, uh, Thibodeau, uh, second pick. I have the lions going Aiden Hutchinson. The third pick I have the jets going Evan Neal at four. I have the jets, uh going booth and then at five i have the giants going kyle hamilton Um, okay let's let's talk about your first pick jags going evan neal what what did you think they were going to do that so this is a tough one because number one overall picks at the tackle position very rarely are slit now sometimes they can work like eric fisher wasn't terrible nowhere near the number one overall pick it's hard to slam dunk a tackle at number one overall but to be truly honest, I don't think there's a slam dunk pick at one here. So I'm thinking you got to address where your biggest needs are. And I think supporting Trevor Lawrence has got to be the biggest need. And as tempting as the two pass rushers and Hutchinson and Thibodeau at the top of the board are, I think the Jags have got to risk it and do what they should have done at pick 25 last year and put a franchise left tackle in front of Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, the the biggest thing when you have the first overall pick, and I would I'm gonna say this too. I feel like this is the worst year to have the first overall pick in a while, and that that sounds weird to say. Like, it's just there isn't one that makes you go, "Wow, that's you know what I mean." That's yeah, it. That's, it's 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 bad for two reasons. Because I agree with you, there is no slam dunk. Well, first of all, the Jet, the Jags obviously don't need a quarterback, but there's no quarterback to where teams are going to be punching to trade up the one for. And also, the the reason that sucks is because there's so many options. Like options at the number one overall pick never bodes well because you're right. second guessing yourself. You're like, all right, but I don't want to pass on Thibodeau and Hutchinson if both of those turn guys turn into Pro Bowlers. Even if my guy, even if Evan Neal or Charles Cross, whoever, whatever tackle they were to take at one. Even if he's marginal, you're like, we passed up on on a franchise edge rusher, which we all know is very, very important in today's league. Yeah, so, yeah. That it's it's for me, if it's gonna be a tackle first overall, it has to be a guy that you know, right? Like mm-hmm. I, I'm trying to think last year, like Penny Sewell, like yeah. in this year's class, like I don't think it's crazy to go, okay. That's a guy we're gonna take. We're gonna take first overall. Oh, I would take um, Penny Sewell number one overall pretty quickly here. Right. So it's it's one of those things where it's tough. You know what I mean? It's tough to say what what's the right answer here. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, um, how you for feeling me, about Thibodeau? So yeah, I I think for me ultimately, if if I'm the Jags, I I don't really want to play this pick safe if i can trade out of it i'm trading out of it oh 100 i don't think this is the year that you know there's any any qbs that are gonna pop off the page and and make someone want to want to come up and get somebody yeah um for for me thibodeau has the highest upside i think hutchinson's a safer pick but i think thibodeau is going to be the one that excites people jumps off the page um agreed yeah 
to kind of like a comparison to me of like not skill set wise or anything like that. He reminds me a lot of Clowny, mm-hmm. where there was a lot of hype of Clowny, kind of you know what I mean? Yeah. Big highlight plays, and when he makes them, they're incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why I like Thibodeau here. I think you have to go for a difference maker, right? If you have the first overall pick, you want someone who's going to be a difference maker, not just a starter. And that's what I worry about, like Evan Neal, like Evan Neal or, you know, any of the tackles that are being mocked to him. Right. It's like, are these guys actually going to be, you know, are they going to be all pro level players? Are they going to be difference makers? Are they going to be making Pro Bowls? I just don't think so. You know what I mean? That's, Mm -hmm. that's my problem right now. Yeah. And it's, it's like I said, it's going to be an extremely tough decision, but if, if one of these quarterbacks does pop off the page through the combine and the pro day process, if it happens, if all of a sudden Kenny Pickett is a consensus QB one and teams want him, I'm trading out of this spot. hundred percent. If I can acquire capital later on and then take Evan Neal at five or six, or even if I take the third best tackle at five, six, seven, I'm perfectly okay with that in the long Mm -hmm. run. Cause it takes you out of that decision-making process because this is always going to be the most heavily scrutinized pick in the draft year in, year out. And it makes sense. You have all the options in the world. So right. even if you hit, you're like, okay, Evan Neal retires as a six-time Pro Bowler, but Thibodeau goes down as the third best edge rusher of all time. You're like, well, Evan Neal is good, but we missed out on an all-timer. You know? Yeah. Well, and I think, I think you look at a lot of drafts in the past and, you know, it's like – do you take best of value? Do you take your needs? Do you, you know, there's no one correct answer at the end of the day. You're hoping you get the guy that, that is, that is the difference maker. Right. And agreed, yeah. and that's the fear. Agreed. Agreed. So lions second pick, we both agree here. Aiden Hutchinson. Um, I think this is a Dan Campbell pick. Um, I, I do think Thibodeau has higher upside. And you see Thibodeau slipped out of my top five. There's been questions drawn to certain things about mm-hmm. his, his what am I trying to his work ethic on and off the field. I, that's not why I have him sliding out of my top five. I think a lot of teams are going to buy. I never have bought into that to be 100%. Not, not fully. Obviously, it raises questions. But right. when you have a generational time, I mean, like we, I think I said this uh, the last episode I sent out last week, two weeks ago that this has been the consensus number one over Thibodeau is the consensus number one overall pick since last year. Like the draft got over and ESPN's like, Hey, here's our way too early mock draft. Thibodeau was one in just about every board, but Hutchinson is the safer pick. He's taken a short trip from Ann Arbor to Detroit. I I think that's part of it too, is it feels, it feels like the right pick. You know, sometimes it's not, you know, it's, it's about like Joe Burrow, uh, you know, two years ago when he got drafted, it's like, oh, he's an Ohio kid. He's going to Cincinnati. You know, it just it just feels right. That That's kind of how the Hutchinson pick feels to me, at least. Yeah, I agree. And it's it's just like it feels like like Dan Kim was like, that's my guy. You know, like he's right. I feel like Hutchinson's going to come in. He's going to work his tail off and he's going to buy into the system more than I think a guy like Thibodeau would. And I think that's what Dan Campbell wants is he wants a guy that's going to come in and play and just play football. And he's going to play whatever brand of football Dan Campbell wants. And the styles line up. I think it it just, it's a picture perfect match in my opinion. 
and I'm gonna I'm gonna say something that's gonna contradict something that I say later in this. I think the worst case scenario for the Lions is the Jags get Aiden Hutchinson, and then the Lions might be in a real pickle. And I I see him stretching for like a Kyle Hamilton or something like that at two. Yeah, like uh, it's gonna be like the Lions are kind of wild. If Hutchinson's not there, it's gonna be interesting to see what they do. Yeah, I think that's kind of their consensus pick right now. And if if that falls through and Hutchinson goes one, they are going to be scrambling. And I feel like, honestly, in the spur of the moment, they may try to right their wrong from a couple of years ago and may reach on whoever they think the best corner is and try to, you know, make up for the miss on Jeff Okuda at three a couple of years ago. So mm-hmm. the Lions are definitely, I think, in just a, just as bad of a spot as the Jags if Hutchinson goes one. Okay. So pick three in the Texans. Um, I have Kyle to Hamilton going here. Um, I think Hamilton, when you talk about finding a difference maker, now again, safeties aren't the most important players on the defensive side of the ball in today's day and age. When you look at game changers, you know, those guys that change the game, that's what you're looking for in the draft. When you look at the safety position in the NFL right now, there's not a lot of them. We've seen the older guard of safeties are getting older, and we haven't really had anybody jump into the position. Jamal Adams is a guy, but has his drawbacks. Well, he's, Peppers, he's fallen off the last couple of years. So. Yeah, he's, he's struggled in, in Seattle this last year. Jabril Peppers is a guy that we thought was going to jump there and hasn't made the leap into that next category. Isaiah Simmons was a guy with that potential. He still hasn't made that jump. So there's – there's a lot of room at the safety position. I think Kyle Hamilton can be one of those game changers. When I look at the Texans, it's another team that has a lot of needs. Um, I don't. They have Laramie Tunsil. They don't need a franchise left tackle. They still obviously have a question mark at quarterback with Deshaun Watson. But even I don't think any of the quarterbacks are an answer at three. Even if there was, we have to sort Deshaun out before we can do anything at the quarterback spot. So. They have a a plethora of needs, and with Justin Reed's contract expiring and possibly not returning, I think they have a a hole in in the secondary at safety, and I think that getting a guy like Kyle Hamilton fits and it makes sense, but the Texans are in a spot right now where a lot of players at three make sense. I'll I'll say this about Kyle Hamilton. I I think he's – he feels like the hit guy of this class, right? Like a guy that you go, you know how every class, and this this always happens every year, right? There's always one guy. This is the can't-miss guy of the class, you know? <laughs> Kyle Hamilton feels like that this year. The problem is, is not with Kyle Hamilton's character or his talent on the field. It has everything to do with the position he plays. Yeah. Because he plays, like, the least valuable spot, I would argue, on defense, and that's safety. Um. Now, if it were Madden, it's a whole nother story, right? Like safety is super important, but like in the actual game of the the NFL, I just don't, it's just not there for me. Um, So that's my only problem with Hamilton. I don't think he'll, I don't think he'll creep into the top five. I really don't. I know there's a lot of hype around him and everything like that. Um, He, I'm going to keep comparing him to past storylines and things like that. Kyle Hamilton feels kind of like a DK Metcalf where there's going to be a lot of hype about him from the outside world going into the draft. Now mm-hmm. I'm not saying Hamilton falls to the second round, but remember DK, there was talks that like he was going to be the 10th overall pick and he fell to the second. It's kind of that third. Same. 
Did he fall to the third? Yeah. Yeah, I believe he fell to the third. People were mock like people had like Buffalo taking him at like ten in a couple mock drafts, and he fell mm-hmm. all the way to the third round. Um, I feel like Kyle Hamilton's going to be mocked in the top ten, top five a lot. It would not shock me if he ended up outside of either one of those. So, um, just because I mean it's a safety, you know, that's the hard part. I will tell you this: if Kyle Hamilton slips, he will not make it past fourteen unless there is some other guy that also slips like if Thibodeau is available at 14 for some odd reason Baltimore will snap the best player available up and with a, a secondary that has good corners a decent edge rush there's not a lot of holes in Baltimore at least not holes that could be to address like a number one wide receiver possibly is still like I think they've worked themselves into a good spot at the receiver part at least with depth and they have multiple options with, with a safety tandem that didn't work a ton well, even when healthy last year, if Kyle Hamilton's available at 14, boy, oh boy, I think Baltimore would be ecstatic with anybody that's going to slide. And I guarantee you that's what Baltimore's going to do at 14. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see with Hamilton because that's, that's a guy that excites me as well, being a Baltimore fan, because I know that Whoever the the guy that is supposed to be top five, top ten that slides to fourteen will be a Raven in the long run, and I would I'd be perfectly happy with Kyle Hamilton being a Raven in the long run. Yeah, no, I mean that that that's a good that's a good landing spot. That's I think he'll fall to that middle of the first round kind of range just because just because the teams. Like there's bigger needs, more important needs there rather than safety. Well, yeah, so, when you when you have the tackle depth and the corner depth that this draft has, like most teams are going to be all right. I'll take the third corner or the third tackle over the best safety. Right. Yes, I would agree Mo- most of the time. So I I would agree with that. Um, what you got? Pick three. Uh, I've got I've got them taking Evan Neal. Um, I don't think Evan Neal falls outside of the top five. I'd be very surprised if he does. Um, to me, this is a move that kind of, I mean, the Texans, uh, again, is another team that needs to trade every pick down that they can because yeah. they have so many needs. Um, this feels like a spot, though, where if Neal or one of one of my other top two, one of those strong edge rush, ed rushers is there, you take them, right? Because mm-hmm. um, you need a lot of things, and... Uh, you know, you normally try to build from the inside out. So if Davis Mills is your quarterback of the future, your bridge quarterback, you know, get a left tackle, get some other things with later picks. So I thought, I feel like that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I think Laramie Tunsil's contract expires. I want to say in two years. So they have some time, but again, when it comes to tackles, especially guys that can be put on the left side, edge rushers and corners, there's really never such a thing as a bad pick unless you have such a glaring need elsewhere that needs to be addressed. Right. That that there's talent at that spot. You know, like if there was a, a Trevor Lawrence, Joe Burrow on the board. Well, I guess the Texans, again, the Texans quarterback room is just a mess because you like Mills. I like Mills going forward, but do the Texans like Mills and will Deshaun Watson come back? What's that situation? So unless there's a slam dunk, person at a position of need you're never really going to be looked down on for taking a tackle a corner or an edge rusher and and the nice part is is laramie tunsil i mean they traded for him and what did they give up two first round picks for him something like that right Mm -hmm. so 
to have a good tackle, even if you have too many, I mean, there, there's huge trade value in them, right? Agreed. Yeah. Scenario, so. You could, you could slide Tunsil out. If, if, if Watson's gone, you obviously know, you know, that's going to be a solid haul. Now, if you draft a left tackle here for the future, you got a guy you have five years of control for, and you flip Tunsil out to boot, boy, the draft capital coming back in that doors would be insanity. Tunsil will be a little bit old to probably draw big, big money, but no, I, I don't I don't hate the move at all. So Yeah, I could definitely see that happening. Um the Jets at pick four. Uh, this is another team. Welcome, welcome to the top five. We have a lot of things to fix. Uh, right. That's why we're here. Um, the Jets have a little bit of freedom because they they have two first rounders, I believe, in the top ten, if not the top fifteen. I want to say. Um, I have them going tackle here with Charles Cross out of Ole Miss. Um, again, you take a quarterback within the top five. You take your franchise guy. You put an offensive line in front. I think they made good, solid work with Elijah Vera Tucker last year. I liked Vera Tucker a lot because he was flexible and played tackle and guard at USC. He's playing more of the guard spot. They have Makai Becton. This is definitely – we'll talk about corners when we get to your pick. It's definitely a corner spot could go here. But, again, you can never have too many good tackles. And with Makai Becton coming off an injury now, there's a lot of – I wouldn't say there's questions, but obviously it raises eyebrows. And if you fall in love with a tackle at four – and you have the freedom to take the third or fourth best corner at 11, 12, wherever they're at inside the top 15 again, I don't think you turn your nose up at it. But also, if you get the best corner here and take the fourth or fifth best lineman, or even like Tyler Linderbaum at 12 or 13, I don't think that's a bad move either. Who do you have going here? Yeah, I'm Uh, changing it last minute here. I, I had Booth written down. I know we went over it, but... I, the more I think about it, I just don't think they pass up Stingley um, out of LSU. Mm-hmm. I just I think it makes too much sense for them. Um, I would rather them see go corner first because if I'm the Jets, I, I you really really need you need you need a million things. So that yeah. that's tough because you need offensive line, you need corners, you need wide receivers. Uh, you know you're okay at the running back position, but there's a lot of a lot of holes you could try to fill. I yeah. think for them, they're in a position. Um, where they could very well go Stingley at, at five and then go like if Hamilton's at 10, like that wouldn't surprise me at all. If they go get Hamilton at 10, if he slides that far, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I don't, I I think they go two defensive picks because Robert Sala is there and their defense was kind of embarrassingly bad. So, um, I, I would like to see them go corner first and then address something else. Now that changes if, you know, if one of the big, the Ed rushers fall. So if Hutchinson falls or Thibodeau falls, um, I would much rather them see go edge, but cause that could be nasty with, uh, with, a uh, Quentin Williams in the middle and, and then a strong mm-hmm. edge rusher on there that that defense could get really good, really fast. So, um, they need corner help though. If you look at their, at their cornerback room, it's a lot of guys that you go, who is that? Who? Ex- huh? Yeah. Agreed. And Bryce Hall had a solid year for them last year, but again, probably not going to develop into the the lockdown corner that you want on your defense. And another beautiful thing is as good as these two edge rushers are, and there's a talent drop between the top two and the rest of the edge rushers in this class, there is still a lot of guys that I'd be perfectly comfortable with taking a 10 in the edge category. Right, yeah. Um, so they are, they're a team that has flexibility, and I think 
it's going to be really hard to grade one of their picks by itself without grading them together. Because I think if you're like, I don't know, man, you passed up on this guy to take that guy at four, but then they adjust and take that second, you know, the position you thought they needed at four and they take it at 10, you know, there's not much you can complain about in the long run. I agree. Into the Giants. From one New York team to the next. From one dumpster fire to the next. Um the Giants at five. Now, there's been a lot of murmurs going around that they're not going to end up picking up uh, Daniel Jones's fifth year option. Um, so the the questions that quarterback is raised, and I think you got to look at next year and see if there's a quarterback you like more. And again, this is me just getting weird because why not? Like I said, this isn't you know the official mock draft. We're not doing 32 picks here. The Giants get weird and take Kenny Pickett at five. Um, I think he's the best quarterback in the class. He may not have the highest ceiling. I think Malik Willis, if every quarterback in this class were hit, were hit their highest ceiling, I think Malik Willis is probably the best QB in this class. I think Pickett's the safest, and he still probably has the second highest ceiling to boot. Um, I, I think I think, pr- I think Pickett's ready to play now. Like That would agreed. be the reason why you would go Pickett over, over Booth or uh... – uh, the kid out of uh, Louisiana um, is is because Pickett's going to go out there and start. Like, yeah. So I, I don't know the Gi- the Giants have the Giants have a lot of needs as well. Um, tackle you can't turn your nose up at corner. I don't think you could turn your nose up at edge. You can't turn your nose up at it's those three positions, and there's there's depth at those positions. I think that's why as good. As as much as it sucks to be in the Jag spot at one, I think it's beautiful to be at five, six, seven, eight, nine. Like a lot of talent to, on the board. Yeah, there's once you get past the hey, there's not a slam dunk number one overall pick. There's a lot of guys like I can name like probably ten guys that I'd be okay with taking, even fifteen from that five to ten range that I'd be okay with taking to that spot, depending on your needs. So. Yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't think I don't really think I think it's wild to think they'll go quarterback uh, because in my mind, you have nothing to lose with Daniel Jones at this point. Right. Because if he stinks, guess what? You'll have a top five or top ten pick next year. And if I'm then I'd rather I'd rather have a top five, top ten pick next year over these quarterbacks that that are my selection right now. So I, I'd be really surprised if they give up, Dan, give up on Daniel Jones to go get one of these guys, unless it's like. Marat Crow, who needs a lot of development or time to grow, and he could sit under Daniel Jones for a year and watch him throw interceptions um, mm-hmm. and take kneels on the eight yard line, but um, you know, really learn some some strong QB skills from the guy. But I don't know. I I have him going Hamilton because it just feels like okay, you know this this feels like a, a Giants pick kind of. Let's let's build a strong defense. We'll worry about offense later. Let's go get the best defensive talent that's out there. Because um, you think of the Giants, you think of great defenses, right? Michael Strahan, Lawrence Taylor, um, and they really haven't had that for for a while now since since that Eli Manning Super Bowl era. So I I would be surprised if they went offense here. I really would. I think they need a wide receiver, but I think they're they're going to go defensive heavy as well. Yeah, I don't. Again, there's a lot of teams inside this top five that need receiver. I don't think there's a receiver that can go this early. Um, and there's also a lot of late round wide receiver talent. 
Yeah, and there's a lot of free agent receiver talent too. So right. you can go even if you don't go big, go get like a DJ Chark from Jacksonville. It's not world breaking, but I think has upside to possibly be a one. And if you have talented guys around him, aka Kadarius Tony, and if they can get Kelly Galladay into the end zone after paying him seventy two million dollars, the Giants would be okay with that in the long run and be able to address bigger needs first. Um and like you said, we like to build teams from the inside out. I don't think tackles out of the out of the the question here as well. Just the how quickly tackles go and where tackles go depends on what's happened in the previous picks. Because right. the Giants may not want to take the third or fourth best tackles. There's a lot of drafts that I've seen that the top five is is a tackle at one, Hutchinson and Thibodeau in, in some order at two or three, and then tackle tackle again. So I there. It's it's such a needed position, and Andrew Thomas has made strides in the last year and honestly had a really solid campaign this last year out for the Giants. But if the second tackle is available at five, you're like, ah, it's just – and it's especially if it's a guy that you're in love with too. That's another thing that's so unpredictable about top fives is if you have a guy that you're in love with, I don't care if Mel Kuyper says it's a reach. This is the guy that I want. I'm going to go get this guy. You know, if you can get through the combine process and you're like, we have pick four, he's projected at nine. I'm not even going to take the risk to trade back two spots. I want that guy. You're going to take him at four. Yeah. Well, and the other thing that makes this year so interesting, like with picks, is the Jets have two picks inside the top 10 this year. So do the Giants as well. So it's interesting to see, like, who they'll value where, you know, okay, do we wait on this guy? Cause we don't think, you know, we don't think the giants or the Panthers are going to take somebody or in the giants case. They're like, ah, oh, we just got to wait out the Panthers, you know? Yeah. So it, it's a, it's weird to think about how that, that dynamic is going to break down in the end. Yeah. Especially with the Panthers have been probably the team that has been looked at the most to take a quarterback inside the top 10, the giants could have back-to-back picks of the best available players that aren't quarterbacks to boot. So the Jets have their two picks and then the Eagles fall. They have three first round picks and they're all from 15 to 19. So it's another team that's going to eat up the middle of the first round as well. So I I would be shocked if the Panthers don't go QB, but that's just me. I mean, and and who knows what happens if they, if they get a, a Jimmy Garoppolo or a, or a something else before the draft that obviously they don't go QB. Or maybe they do still. I don't know. That's true. Who knows? The Panthers are extremely unpredictable, as all the teams in the top five are. That's why they're here. They're not the best at decision-making sometimes. That's fair. That's fair. So that's our top five. Our top five mock. It's going to be real interesting to see what happens, obviously, come draft time. And this definitely is not going to be the last time we talk about this at all. No. I just want to say one thing real quick is whenever we do mock drafts or talk about the offseason – I just I thank God that I did not become a Jets or Giants fan because I would hate eight year old me right now if I was a Jets fan because I would have had right. a life of misery because every other sports team I watch is awful all the time. And I don't know if I could handle the football teams that I root for also being terrible. So terrible, yeah, you gotta have one bright spot usually and it is brutal for Jets and Giants fans out there. And you could take a couple bad years. I think we could both agree. Baltimore's picked in the top five once in the last four years. 
missed Man, the playoffs like, three or four times. The Patriots like? have had their down year last year with Cam Newton. But for the most part, pretty spoiled when it comes to football. So oh, yeah. the thing with these I all five of these franchises, to be honest with the Texans have at least had their peak years where they went fourteen and two at one point. Yeah, all the they, they, they were legit, yeah. The other four teams have been in this position too many times to count in the last ten years. You know, well, the, the Giants at least have a Super Bowl in the last fifteen years. Uh, True. The Jets were relevant with like Mark Sanchez and Rex Ryan. The Lions, on the other hand, have never Tough. been very relevant. So. The Jags, the Jags have their one AFC title game with Blake Bortles. That's um, true. Yeah, but again, outside of those those two years of success here and there with the the Jags and the the Texans. Yeah. All it's of these brutal. franchises outside of the Giants, you haven't seen more than a four-year stretch where they've been good. Yeah, or even relevant, to be honest. honest. Right. So I agree. Prayers out to all you fans that we just talked about there. Um, yeah, I was going to take another slide jab, but I'm not going to. I'll save it. Well, I'm sure it'll come naturally later on. So into uh, – this is going to be headlines. Obviously, I renamed it because, of course – Welcome to the offseason. Welcome to the most important position of football. All the headlines are about quarterbacks right now, for the most part. Um, so we're going to talk about a couple of them. And when I say a couple of them, I mean a majority of them. Um, so starting off with the biggest fish in the pond, um, Packers GM came out today. They've been doing a lot of interviews with the draft process and everything. Mike McCarthy's talked to the media. All GMs are talking to the media. Packers GM came out and said he has not gotten a single phone call about a possible trade for Aaron Rodgers at this point. Do you, are you buying this? Is this a smoke screen to maybe draw some attention? Hell in? no, I'm not buying this. Are you kidding me? This is, I, there's I, no way I don't, this is, this is total garbage. Like, you know, the Broncos have had their offer on the table for unofficially at least three months now. There's yeah. no way. I mean, I, since, I mean, Okay, I shouldn't say that. They maybe not on the table. The Broncos have had it ready for three months, but the second that the Packers lost in the playoffs, there was probably a phone call the next next week or two yep. weeks after. Now, if you would have came out and said we have had no serious calls about Aaron Rodgers, maybe you know because what they define as serious is who knows. Only they right. know what that is at that point. Their level of seriousness could be what the the Sixers were trying to get for Ben Simmons before he got dealt. We have no idea. So I don't buy it really for a second. Um, I think there's got to be – there has to have been at least one GM that was like, "What's what are we looking at, you know? Yeah, I don't I don't believe it. I mean, there, there's so many teams that are QB, QB needy that somebody has gone after – Aaron Rodgers in some way, at least called about him. So yeah, I, and maybe, I, don't, I don't buy this a bit. Yeah. Maybe they haven't gotten in the serious trade talks because like I said, maybe the Packers GM is like, we want four firsts and your third best player. You're like, eh, okay, maybe not. Maybe not for two years. Aaron Rodgers. I don't want to give up all that. I, I don't know. I mean, I, until Aaron Rodgers comes out and officially he hasn't announced what he wants to do yet yeah. until we have that, it wouldn't surprise me. So, um, it wouldn't surprise me that the that there hasn't been any response. Let's say that. I'm sure, you know, he probably has gotten a couple texts at the very least. Yeah, at the very least. Um, from one high-profile profo- quarterback to the next, um, Tom Brady back in the headlines again. Um, get used to it. 
I mean, we've we've dealt with it for 25 years now. We're going to deal with it for at least another three or four. Um, Bruce Arians also was talking to the media, uh, said, quote, unquote, we'll leave the lights on for Brady. If he ever wants to come back, he's, he's welcome to um, for this season. And also stated that there will be no such instance where Brady were to come back and not be a Buccaneer. I, I have some thoughts about this. I don't yeah, know. How do you how do you that. feel about it? I'm I'm curious. So one, I don't think that could be true. Um be for a couple of reasons. One, they should do whatever Tom Brady asks. So if, if Tom Brady asked to be traded to San Francisco, they should trade him to San Francisco because he has done more for that franchise in the two years that he was there than probably anyone has ever done for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in so. a two year stretch for sure. Yeah. And he ranks as like a top five Buccaneer, which is from two seasons. Yeah. So I, I don't think that's right because, so let's say they go out and trade for somebody or do something like that. And Brady goes, Oh, I want to come back. I mean, how do you welcome him back when you, you, you go out and trade for a Jimmy Garoppolo or, you know what I mean? They make some kind of move at QB and Brady goes, okay, now I want to come back. Or they go draft somebody or, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I, I don't buy all of that because they could very well be in a spot where they need they're to. They're forced move. to. Yeah, they're forced to. Like, we can't keep Tom or, you know, we just traded for this guy. And when he's. Especially you know, he's, if it's a big name guy. If they go gun Deshaun Watson, Aaron Rodgers, or, or Russell Wilson down, and they give up the price tag that we all think is going to happen for those three guys. How do you just keep both of those QBs on roster? It's not possible. There's no way. It's not possible. You'd have to get rid of one of them for something. So I don't buy that. I don't think Arians is always the most button up together kind of guy. Uh, I think, I guess in his mind's eye, he, again, he probably, he knows what they're wanting to do with their roster going forward. Maybe they see no trade in sight at the quarterback spot at this point. And Without bringing in another quarterback, I can see where he's coming from. But if you go get somebody there and Brady's right. like, okay, I'm back. There's a new situation, a new a door has been opened there. I, I will say this. If they go into next season with Blaine Gabbert and Kyle Trask, they're in trouble. Like I would agree. I like I, I like Kyle Trask a lot, but but just you gotta have some type of addition. Do I like Kyle Trask falling up Tom Brady? Absolutely not. So no, that's, kids that's what he's up alive. against. Yes, absolutely. So I, I think that's crazy. And I, and I think they owe it to him to, to let him move on if he wants to move on. Now, I don't know if I buy that Brady wants to move on and, and all this other stuff. I, yeah, I, there's there's been a lot of talk of like this is why he retired is because there was dissension between him and Arians now. Which – yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I've heard some conflicting reports on whether that was true or not as well. So Yeah, and Arians has conflicted that report himself and said that there was no dissension there. Well, if you're Arians, you have to you have to dispute it, right? Mm-hmm. But Brady hasn't like fully come out and said no, so it it's interesting, you know. Yeah, it's definitely something to keep our eye on, especially with them possibly entering the quarterback market this offseason. Again, there's just there's no way that you give up even a second rounder to go get a Jimmy Garoppolo. And then Brady's like, okay, I'm back. You just, it just, it doesn't work. Right. That would be, they go out and trade for Jimmy Garoppolo. I almost guarantee you Brady comes back. That would, that would be, be so goddamn funny. Hilarious. 
Because you can't turn around and trade Garoppolo away afterwards. That's not how that works. Yeah, that's not, that would be crazy. Yeah, this isn't Madden. That's a Madden thing. That's not a real life thing. That's not. That's not something NFL teams do. Trade a guy. Well, I mean, that's an NBA thing too. Trade for a guy and then immediately trade him away. That yeah. uh, that would not happen. That would be uh, we traded for Garoppolo in week seven. Brady's back. Okay, I'll trade Garoppolo away then. Maybe. Right. Maybe. Maybe. But um, as surprising as those two headlines were, this one I don't think is as surprising. Broncos GM came out and said that everything is on the table to go find a quarterback. As it should be. Uh, if you're if you're the Broncos, I mean, what are you? What what piece are you missing? What else can you add besides a QB at this point? Yeah, there there really isn't much. And I feel like just about anything they would lose, they can supplement pretty easily. There, you can go find a guy to fill in that spot. Like, obviously, we've seen it in the last five, six years, and I know Broncos fans have felt it. Obviously, you can't just plug a guy in at quarterback and go win games. Right. I could, I could plug a guy in at left tackle. I can, I could plug a guy in at corner and probably be okay. I can't plug a quarterback. Well, and there's so much on the free agent market this year too, of like varying positions and things like that, where. You you could give up a wide receiver and then go sign a guy like Chris Godwin or yeah. you know you could upgrade at a position or, after trading somebody away. Right, absolutely. Yeah. If you're willing to spend the money, so, so yeah, that, that, I'm not surprised by this at all. I, I I believe it's true. I mean, they got to be desperate for one. And again, they're in a spot where they didn't take one last year when there was talented QBs on the board, and here they are having the ninth pick in a class with you know. Okay, quarterbacks. So in a in a year by year situation, I think last year as a Broncos fan, I would have been like that would have been the franchise I would have been most unhappy with as a fan base. To be honest with you, because they've this isn't like oh Peyton retired last year, we're gonna plug and play a quarterback and take Pat Sertain at nine. This was. Peyton retired five years ago. We've plugged and played four different guys, and none of them have worked. There's talent at the quarterback spot on the board. And, yes, I get it. Pat Sertain is a lockdown corner. There's a chance he becomes a top-five corner in the game. He had a ridiculous rookie season, and he probably would have won defensive rookie of the year if Micah Parsons didn't get drafted last year. But Justin Fields and Mac Jones were on the board, and you've been a quarterback away for five years it's and 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 you already had probably a top 10 if not a top 5 secondary in the game before you drafted Sertain. You had two guys that played extremely well at the cornerback spot in Bryce Callahan and Bradley Roby and you have Justin Simmons at safety. Corner was not a need. I get it. He's a slam dunk of a pick and he's great, but not only was there a good player and a bigger need, there was a better player at the biggest need that you had. Do do the Broncos make the playoffs with Mac Jones? I would say, I would say no. I think so, they would be close. They would be closer than they were. I don't trust Vic Vangio to get to me. Then that falls back on the coaches at that point. I don't know if Vangio's gonna would get them over the hump in a crowded AFC playoff race. Oh, see, I I think he would. So. Uh, I think it's a possibility. It's definitely more possible than Bridgewater and Locke getting them there. I tell you that much for hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. I think I think they're close, if not in. And and we know for a fact taking Sertain did not put him in the playoffs. So no, 
And me me saying that I don't think they would make the playoffs with Mac Jones last year is more about how crowded the AFC is than anything. That's fair. Because you look at the first team out was the Chargers, and you're asking me to not only overtake the Chargers, and then obviously I think I would probably take them over the Raiders at that point, but especially after the year the Raiders had. But here we are. Who made the playoffs? The Raiders did. So true. Who knows? Uh, it's definitely the Broncos are, I think, going to be – they've got to get aggressive at this point. You've got to stop resting and just, oh, this guy, we'll run this guy for a year. I think I think if any team makes a move for a QB, it would be the Broncos. Like, it's got to be. Like they're the most trigger – I mean, people keep saying that the – the Panthers are trigger happy or, and ready to make a big move, but I it's I'd be shocked. I'd be shocked if the Broncos don't do something at the QB spot. If if Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, or Deshaun Watson gets traded and it's not to Denver, I am pitchforks and torches marching to Mile High Stadium and I wanna talk to the I wanna talk to the front office. Cause there's there's just no way. And and I will give credit where credit is due. I don't know how they've held the nucleus together and lost pieces and added pieces. There's no way that a team should be able. I, I, I can't imagine a scenario, and if you would have told me this when Peyton retired, because when Peyton retired, what was the first headline we heard? All right, well, the Broncos are a quarterback away. You know, They're coming off a Super Bowl. They've been in the playoffs the last four years. This roster is still ready to win. They're like the Bucks are now. Plug a good quarterback in. And they could definitely make it right back into the playoff race and probably a deep playoff run. We are five to six years removed, and they are still at that same spot. They're still a quarterback away. That's insanity to me. I don't know how they've done it. I will give them credit for doing it. But I also, the biggest discredit is they've had options and they've had chances to get the right quarterback, and they have passed on them every time. Right. Not every time, most times. Too much, that's for sure. Yeah, agreed. Um, this next one, kind of the the last general trade rumor circulated one, and obviously it's going to be about multiple quarterbacks. Uh, there's rumors Carson Wentz is possibly on the move from Indy, and they weren't happy with his performance last year. Garoppolo possibly being on the move. He is now having uh, shoulder surgery on his throwing arm. Um, Drew, B- Drew Brees was traded in the same offseason that he had uh, surgery on his torn labrum. So we've seen it happen before, but it definitely complicates the Garoppolo trade situation now. And I believe it was the Bills GM came out and said today that expecting Trubisky back as their second-string quarterback next year is unrealistic given the quarterback market and where it stands right now. So three more guys. Added, I mean, two guys were already there, not Trubisky. Obviously, I believe he's a free agent from what I remember is yeah. now added to this list. So how do you how do you feel about these three guys? I, I'll say a couple things. Uh, I mean, I'm going to go in reverse order. Garoppolo is going to get moved, right? Like San Francisco has open, been open about it. Um, I think really what it's going to come down to is Garoppolo is not going to get moved until after the draft. Because mm. I, I think if, if any big name gets moved, it's going to be before the draft teams are going to draft quarterbacks and Garoppolo is kind of going to be a last resort option. Mm. Um, I don't know if Trubisky will get another shot. I really don't. Um, I ha- I have doubts that he will. He'll, he'll get a, a chance to compete. Maybe 
I, I think there's a chance of that, that, you know, maybe he winds up signing with the Steelers or, you know, you know, somewhere where they just literally have no options. Yeah. Um, the, the team that misses out in the draft and in trades. Right. And, and he ends up, you know, trying to compete for one of those jobs. That wouldn't shock me. Uh, I think if the Colts decide to move on from Wentz, would it, it's rumored that they are, that they're trying to find a trade partner. Uh, and if they don't, they're likely to cut Wentz. I think it, it's the, probably the end for Carson Wentz and the NFL. Um, do you feel, do you feel like it's as a starter, I'm assuming, or do you think in general? What do you mean? Like for Wentz being done in the NFL as a starter? Yeah, I don't think he'll start. I think I think that was if it was going to work, it was going to work in Indy, and I don't think anyone else saw. I don't think there was enough there to make me want to go. Yeah, we'll go get him. Um, do you do you agree with the the move to move on from him so early? I don't. No, I would have kept once for at least another year. Um, I agree. If I, if I were the Colts, I, mean, I gave up. I gave up a first round pick to go get him. Right. And, and for a year, it's not worth it. At least for two, you can maybe justify it in your head. If, if he puts you, I mean, they were close to the playoffs, like one and if nothing else, his draft stock goes up and you trade him away or you cut him. And again, this isn't a quarterback laden market this year. Who are you? Unless there is something in talks that have happened that we don't know about. Unless Pat McAfee is paying Aaron Rodgers under the table to get traded to the Colts. They, I don't – who are you going to go get that's going to give you a better shot? Because obviously this is the team that's in win-now mode. The Colts are oh, trying yeah. to get to the playoffs. They're trying to get the playoff experience now, so two to three years from now they are ready to compete. So who who is the guy outside of, again, spending a lot of draft capital and maybe a player or two to go get a big-name quarterback? Who's the guy that's the upgrade? Because if, if well, they move Wentz and they go get Garoppolo or Trubisky or – even like Garner Minshew or any of the mid-level quarterbacks, low-level quarterbacks that are going to be available this offseason, I'm not happy at all. If if we're being honest, it feels like a Colts move to just waste another Super Bowl window. I mean, they wasted Andrew Luck's career, got good after he decided to retire. Mm-hmm. Um, Peyton Manning, you know, they they you know he only won one Super Bowl there, which is still wild to think about. Mm-hmm. Um, they're just not a team that ever can seem to get it all together at once, you know, at the same time. Yeah, exactly. Nothing ever is all lined up for them. So the team's really good. They can't figure out the QB. So I don't know if they're in full reset mode or, or yeah, I, I have no idea what their plan is. And again, if this was last year and all the quarterbacks are available in the draft and, and maybe if Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson were free agents and not, you know, or maybe if Tom Brady was a free agent and not, you know, where you have to go get them. It makes sense. I'm like, okay, if you're upgrading, but there is outside of Watson, Wilson, and Rodgers or some unforeseen trade that hasn't even been brought up yet, like a Kyler Murray deal, or if Baltimore can't get a deal done and Lamar hits the block, something that has not even entered the realm of possibility yet or even Mm -hmm. predictability yet, there is no quarterback that I feel better about than having Carson Wentz there for a year. Because there's just – there's no – and maybe if you had a first-round pick to spend pick 16 on Malik Willis, maybe. But again, you spent that pick to go get wins in the first place. Right. Where is and, – and I've I've talked to some Colts fans. One of my good buddy Tyler is a Colts fan. He wants Wentz out. And I'm like, who – where's the upgrade? Are you going to ride Jacob Eason? Like I don't, right. I don't understand. Like what's the benefit here? Right. 
to give up a first round pick on a guy that has MVP upside and then can him after a year where you miss the playoffs just because you lost to the Jags, which again is an ugly headline to read. But what I read is we were one win away from the playoffs. We gave up a first round pick for a quarterback and he was one win shy of getting us into the playoffs. And this is one of the worst off seasons to try to fill the quarterback spot. Those two headlines paired together means Carson Wentz stays for another year. But the Colts don't feel that way. I couldn't tell you why. Yeah, that, I mean, yeah, I, it doesn't make it doesn't make any sense to me on, on the whole Wentz front. I, I I don't know unless unlike you like, like you said, unless they have a big plan that nobody has any idea about or they have something in the works already. I, I just don't know. I don't see what could possibly come up. I really don't. Yeah, I agree. Um, moving out of the trade market and the draft market into some contract extension talk. Obviously, there's more talk with one of these guys than the other, but still both quarterbacks working on extensions. Um, talk about the smaller one first. Lamar Jackson's still working on his contract with the Ravens. He's representing himself. Um, I don't – this is tough. I'm, I wouldn't say I'm getting nervous because – Again, I've said this before, and I'll say it again. Like I have all faith in Baltimore's front office to get the deal done. I have all faith in Eric DeCosta and John Harbaugh to get the deal done. I have never been more comfortable. It is the complete opposite about how I feel about the Knicks in basketball. Like mm-hmm. where I'm like, man, I don't know what we're gonna do. It's so unpredictable. Like Baltimore is the the polar opposite. I they could do something questionable, and I'll be like, obviously there's a plan. And when they took. Lamar at 32, obviously there was a plan, and I think it's worked to this point. Obviously, still trying to get over the hump, and right now the hump is getting this deal done. So that contract extension is still happening, still looking to see what's what's happening. Before, and then obviously – Before you move on there, I, I have a couple of thoughts on maybe why it's taking so long. Um, I think part of the, the issue might be uh, – that he's representing himself and Mm -hmm. I don't ever have a problem when players do that, but I always feel like it's harder to negotiate. Um, I think it makes it awkward for it puts, it puts the team in a hard spot because not only are you negotiating with a guy you have to continue to work with, but, um, but you, you, so you can't say the things that like, okay, here, here's what scares us. Here's what bothers us about. You can't say that to his face as a negotiating point because then you have to go out and play with the guy. Yeah. Um, so it, it, it puts them in a really awkward spot. I think that's part of the reason why it's taken a while to get done. And I don't know how much he's invested his own time and energy into going to get some. Yeah. It's, it's something, like I said, I, I'd say it's like, it's slightly worrying me just because I want it to be done. You know, like it's worrying just because it's a, such a huge thing. If, if Baltimore can't resign Lamar Jackson and he ends up on another team and again, that the franchise tag will be pulled out probably at least twice if the deal doesn't get done beforehand. It's one of those things where, like, Baltimore completely reset their offense when they took him at 32. Like, I don't know if you remember as well as I do or if any mm-hmm. anybody listening, Joe Flacco wasn't a read option guy. That wasn't, a, that wasn't the style of play that Baltimore ran before Lamar Jackson got to town. Jimmy Clausen, I believe, started the last game um, before the year before they drafted Lamar Jackson because Joe Flacco was hurt. Um, so 
this is a team that is that drafted this kid at 32 and we've seen it done before, but it's always the number one overall pick. You're willing to, all right, I took Trevor Lawrence. We got to shake things up and, and build this playbook to his style or a Joe Burrow. I don't think there's really been as much of a change in an organization that, that I've seen from in Baltimore since from Joe Flacco to Lamar Jackson. And I don't think any team has seen it from a quarterback that wasn't a top five overall pick or even a top 10 pick. So without Lamar Jackson, Baltimore, I wouldn't say it doesn't work, but it is severely hindered because there's not a lot of quarterbacks in this game that can do what Lamar Jackson does, if any. Um, and and the guys that can do what Lamar Jackson does probably don't do it as proficiently as Lamar Jackson does on the ground. Well, even in their backup with Tyler Huntley there, um, it it's good, but it's not the same, right? Like he can come in and fill that role for a couple of games, but it's not to the same level that Lamar is. Yeah. The, the explosivity and the the level isn't there. It's good because you don't have to change your playbook when your backup comes in. You know, like if Baltimore and Mitch Trubisky is their backup, half the playbook goes out the window when Lamar Jackson's side of the game, if not more than half, you know? Yeah. So that's why Huntley works so well. That's why Trace McSorley worked so well before Huntley got there and took the backup job. So they've got to get that deal done because they have invested every – they didn't invest in number one overall pick, but they completely reshaped the playbook and how that team plays football when they drafted Lamar Jackson. So they've got to get that deal done. As far as Kyler Murray goes. Oh, God. What a mess this situation whole is. other situation now. Yeah. This is uh, – I wanted to talk a little bit about Lamar first because obviously it's going to be a little bit of a smaller talking point. Mm-hmm. But as far as Kyler goes, this story just seems to get weirder and weirder by the day. It was all very sudden. He deleted everything that had to do with Cardinals off his Instagram, took him out of his bio, unfollowed the team. And you're like, okay, we've seen this happen before. This is a, it's a, it's a more and more often thing. I think I'll steal the words out of your mouth. It happens a lot more in the NBA than it does in the NFL, but it's happened. This isn't a, a, a yeah. brand new thing when it comes to athletes in today's day and age. So the, the thing that is, Adding to this now is the headline, or not the headline, the tweet that I saw today. Um, people are obviously talking on Twitter about this, and Larry Fitzgerald comments on a, mm. comments on a tweet. Did you see this at all? I did not. No. Oh boy, this is now. Now that I'm looking at this, part of me wants to go fact check this because it's just a screenshot of a tweet. Um, and Larry Fitzgerald isn't verified. Oh, mm, okay. Fake. Okay. Hold on. Maybe this is Larry Fitzgerald senior. Maybe this is his dad. Oh, okay. Um, let me double check the, the comment on this. Larry Fitzgerald senior. Okay. I thought this was Larry Fitzgerald talking when I read this and I was like, holy shit, this is a lot. But so this is what Larry Fitzgerald's dad thinks. This this obviously calms the story back down. What if it was Larry Fitzgerald himself saying this? But mm-hmm. Larry Fitzgerald Sr. said um, he's spoiled. He brings his Oklahoma offense to an NFL team and has to has has to catch up. Great talent. He's never been humbled. Keep working. So saying wow. that you know Kyler was spoiled at OU. He had Lincoln Riley, who is one of the better college coaches um, in college football was able to go to the NFL, 
had Cliff Kingsbury was his head coach, who also runs a very similar offense, the air raid offense. And, you know, he, they brought in D hop for a second round pick early on in his career or his second year. They added D hop. They've drafted well around him. James Connors been a hit at running back, basically saying that Kyler's really never had to work for what he has right now. And he's spoiled with the, the last five years he's played football. Which is an interesting way to look at it, because I mean a lot of that is true. I, I I don't think it's one of those things where it's true, but I also feel bad for looking down on Kyler Murray because he's lucked into such good situations in the last five years. Mm-hmm. Like, well, he had all this help. I'm like, am I going to discount him because his front office puts talent around him? Does that make him a? Should I count that against him when I'm talking about how good he is versus other quarterbacks? Does it come into play? Yes, but it's not like a – it's not the end-all, be-all of the conversation. The here, Here's the thing. I, I, I struggle with this on, on many fronts. We talked about this last time a little bit too. Uh, he has no leverage right now. I mean, they have yeah. so much time on his contract plus the franchise tag. So I, I am very confused by this move. I don't know where they think – you know, the strong points going to be, or, you know, I, I'm not sure who he's getting advice from, but he's not getting very good advice. That's, that's what I'll say about that. Um, yeah, I would agree. Cause it, it's all strange, you know, and there's, there's a time and a place when you can and get away with this and it's just not right now. So no. I, I don't know how much money they're asking for, but boy, I hope it's not a lot. That's all. It's, it's also, it's weird on Kyler's front. Because I agree with you, he doesn't have much leverage where he's at. And there was no, at least to us, the general media, there was no headlines. There was no dissension before he deleted all the posts and took him and unfollowed the team on Twitter. There was no dissension, according to us. Like, if you were to ask us, and I believe, because I didn't read, you know, I check ESPN all the time. We watch Sports Center every day and, you know, the Pat McAfee show and all these things were very involved in the sports media world. There was not a single headline about Kyler and the Cardinals maybe being unhappy with each other. This all started on his side. And now right. it's coming out after the fact that certain people around Kyler Murray, or maybe that are, were around people that were around Kyler Murray are saying that he's not a good leader. He is a very disconnected from the team at times. He's not, you know, he's immature about certain things. So it's hard to dispute the claims when Kyler doing something childish is what started this conversation. Because I think we can all agree that, and it, it, you know, you have your reasons for it, or you know, whatever the case may be, deleting all your pictures of your the football team that that employs you in the NFL, unfollowing them on Instagram and taking them out of your bio and everything is an immature thing to do. I think. It's not something that I'm like, get them off my team. I don't want them. It's not like an immature thing where I want to move on from the guy, but I think it's an immature act in my opinion. I don't. Yeah. Well, and here's the other thing I'll say is where is the grass going to be greener, right? Like we, we talk about this all the time when, whenever a team moves on from a head coach or, you know, even, even other quarterbacks of like, okay, if you're Aaron Rodgers, where are you going to go and be surrounded by better talent? Uh, not many places, right? If you're Kyler Murray, they have hired a coach that fits your scheme. They've built you a phenomenal offense. 
they went and added pieces, right? Aaron Rodgers has begged the Packers for years. Hey, go all in. Let's try to win one season. Let's let's push everything into the center. They'll never do it. The Cardinals went and got J.J. Watt this offseason. Mm-hmm. They went and traded for Zach Ertz in the middle of the season. They went and got A.J. Green. They never stopped trying to make this team as good as possible. They were always all in. You know what I mean? Moving it, capital for now. In a majority of the ads, I feel like have been on the offensive side of the ball to boot. When you look at the time that he's been in Arizona, the guys that have been added to this team, First yeah. of all, there's a lot of talent that's been added to Arizona since Kyler Murray's gotten there, and I feel like a majority of it is on the offensive side of the ball. Rodney Hudson came over from Vegas, who's a top-five center in the game. They added DeAndre Hopkins, who's a top-five receiver in the game. They added A.J. Green, who's an ancillary piece, and obviously from what we saw this year, still has some gas in the tank. They drafted Rondell Moore, who's been solid. They added James Conner, who's been a monstrous in, in inside the red zone. They added J.J. Watt. I'm looking at, like, they traded for Zach Ertz in the middle of the season. I'm like, this team is doing everything they can to put as much talent around you. Mm-hmm. Like, they're not – this isn't a team that went out and got J.J. Watt and then went and got Vaughn Miller and then went and got Jalen Ramsey. You know, like, this is a team that is adding offensive pieces around you on your side of the ball. There is – there's I would kill as Lamar Jackson or as a Ravens fan – for my team to go add A.J. Green or DeAndre Hopkins or Zach Ertz or Rodney Hudson, let alone all four of them within the span right. of three years. Yeah. That is insane amounts of things. And Kyler has benefited from that because he had a solid rookie season. It wasn't world-breaking. It wasn't earth-shattering, but it was good. DeAndre Hopkins comes to town year two, and he made a leap. And a lot of people are like, man, Kyler Murray got a lot better. And there's also the camp that was like, they're like, Kyler Murray made a, a huge leap in year two, and they're like, the leap, and it's a picture of DeAndre Hopkins. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, he, he didn't have his number one wide receiver last year, so everyone's kind of, you know, I feel like they got a pass, and this was their first year being real good, right? Like, they were competitive mm-hmm. Super Bowl contenders. They were 8-0 think, to start the year. Exactly. I think you add D-Hop back to that team, I, I think you've got a legit team. I really do. So I, but this is not helping, right? Like this no. kind of distraction in the off season never goes well for anyone. No, never does this happen. And you're like, this situation's better than it was before. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Uh, I don't know. It, it's, it's tough. And before we move on the last little thing, when I'm saying it's an immature thing, I don't want to sound like, I feel like there is an older generation of sports fans that are very, very strong headed about certain opinions where they're like, I wouldn't put up with that crap. I'd send him off the roster in a heartbeat mm-hmm. by no way. Am I saying anything along those lines? Cause this isn't a thing where I'm like, well, move Kyler Murray. He doesn't want to be here. I don't want him here either. This is a, it's just one of those things. Like if, if you're best, like if, if I, you being my friend mm-hmm. and you know, I, one day I get in a fight with Caitlin and I delete everything I have of her off social media and take her out of my bio and then three weeks from now, we're back together. What is that? That doesn't – I make fun of people that do that all the time. I'm like, what right. was the point of that? Did you did you accomplish something? Do you feel better now? Like never does it look well from the outside. And I think this is the same type of deal where like what do you, what's the benefit, you know? Right. Like wh- are you really going to get $50 million now? No, you were more likely to get your $50 million a year. Well, I don't know what they're asking for, right? You know, yeah, we have what, no idea. What, whatever it is they were asking for, if they had just kind of 
kept their nose down, moved in silence, right? Like they would have had a better chance of getting it there than going about it this way, I would argue. So no, well, just, I, I, well, I don't went like to the front that. office. Here's yeah, an idea. We, Walk into the building and be like, Hey, I, I've been quiet about it. I don't want to make a ton. I don't want this to be in the headlines. I don't want to draw attention. I have issues. I want to be able to talk about them and try to fix it. And again, Maybe there's certain things that it's just not a thing where the franchise can fix. Maybe he's asking to fix things that aren't really issues. Who knows? But again, deleting everything on social media does not. It, it's not only is it doing nothing. Not only is it zero. It's negative because now all eyes are on your franchise and on it. So everything that happens from now on is going to be in the media. There is no quiet talks behind closed doors for Kyler Murray and the Cardinals now because of everything that has transpired up until this point. Mm -hmm. I mean, just admit it, dude, you're, you're an old school guy, you know, (laughs) I'm an old head man. What can I say? (sighs) Back in my day, you know, quarterbacks played for the same team for 17 years. They didn't make more than a quarter of a million dollars. And the nose guard was the best player on the field. You know, that's all I'm saying. And we, and we ran the damn football. I'll tell you what. I tell you what, back then we ran it. We had a fullback and eight tight ends on the field. We had no wide receivers. I don't know no what all receivers. this mumbo jumbo is about. I don't know when tackles became so important. Back in my day, it was all about those guards and who can match those <laughs> nose tackles the best. It didn't matter. You needed inside offensive linemen, not edge protection. Yeah. Man. Okay. So, I mean, I, I want to say we're going away from quarterbacks. We're not. We're going to hop into some hot takes, and sure enough, we're going to stay on the quarterback train, but we are more generally, generally speaking than, than a name or two here or there. So why don't you open us up? Give me your, give me your bold prediction for the off season. So from now to the preseason starts, what is something bold that you feel like is going to happen? I don't think any QBs on rookie deals will be replaced. Mm. So we're saying, so. give me the list. Do you have a list? I, I don't I can I can rattle the names off the top of my head. I don't think Jalen Hurts gets replaced. I don't think Daniel Jones gets replaced. I don't think Baker Mayfield gets replaced. I think I think all of those guys stay pat. I should say no guys on rookie deals still in their original spot. because uh, now Sam Darnold popped into my head and I was like, Yeah, he's definitely getting replaced. Yeah. But like outside of the guys that are in their in their in their home spots, like guys that you were on the fence about, like you have the Giants thinking Kenny Pickett. I don't think that happens. I th- I think everybody rides it out with the QBs they have now that are on rookie deals. Yeah. I I don't. Th- yeah. I could definitely see that happening again. And this is, it's the off season. And to be hundred percent honest with the off season is more unpredictable than the middle of the season is because this is all now. It's not how good are you on any given Sunday? It's, this is emotions are being brought into this, you know, the Kyler Murray stuff. That's all emotion. That's not something that happens on a Sunday. That is, that's what happens on a Monday through a Saturday, you know? So, and that stuff is way more unpredictable than the Jags beating the Colts in week 18, you know? So I definitely see it as a possibility. And I would say it's probably more of a possibility than anything. Mm-hmm. I, I I could definitely see that happening. Just, without anything unforeseen happening. Now, if if Green Bay and Cleveland talk and they want to do a quarterback swap, obviously that changes things. But again, that's something that hasn't been talked about. I don't think that's, I don't like, I, I'm, what I'm saying is I don't think any of that comes to fruition. So I don't think so either. So I would agree with you. Mine, my bold prediction 
this off season. And I'm gonna I'm gonna actually I'm gonna change it. I'm gonna get I think oh, okay. a little bit even more to the left here. I don't think any big name quarterback is gonna get moved this off season. I think Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, and Deshaun Watson will stay put going into the season next year. Okay. Um, o- off of that, so do you think Deshaun Watson sits another year, or do you think he plays for the Texans? I, if I had to bet money, I would think Deshaun Watson's going to sit another year in Houston. That's um, crazy. It is crazy. It's ridiculous to be a hundred percent honest with you. But I think the Texans are staunch on the fact that they want to get a deal done, and I think they're going to take the Sixers mindset of they want the world and a half back for Deshaun Watson, as they should to a certain degree. We all know how talented Deshaun Watson is and what he can do for your franchise. Mm-hmm. But I also think that Watson is pretty staunch on not wanting to put on a Texans jersey again because of just the way that everything's happened. I feel like I, I feel like he didn't have the support of the franchise through everything that he went through. At no point, I feel like, did Deshaun Watson have the Texans at his side. Now, again, all these allegations pile in and everything starts to rack up true. There's no way the Texans are going to be like, we still stand behind Deshaun Watson. That's not going to happen. But right. – at no point, even when it first started, I don't feel like the Texans really ever had Deshaun's back through any of this process. And I think the whole him being a practice squad free safety to keep him on the field and have him, that was so weird. I don't know whose decision it was. I don't know what happened and who thought it was a good idea. I just, I don't see Deshaun suiting up for them again. And I'm betting more along the lines of just the logistics of that trade happening is crazy. And again, but also to let it be known, I didn't think the Ben Simmons deal was going to get done for the deadline. Look where we are now, you know? Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. I've been wrong in the past. Never, never say never. That's, that's what we can take away from this. And I, this take, I don't think this disqualifies. If Aaron Rodgers retires, I think that's still true statement. I think, I think Rodgers, Wilson and Watson will be a part of their franchise. Wilson will play for the Seahawks next year. I think Rodgers is either a Packer or he hangs it up, or, and I think Watson sits another year. Um, that's not crazy. Point. Yeah. That's I, – I just – the logistics of trying to get those trades done are so hard to get through. And there's – the deadline is the draft, like you said. There's – I don't think there's a scenario where Aaron Rodgers gets dealt after the draft. That's not a – it's it's hard because the draft capital is you don't get an immediate response back with that draft capital, you know. Mm-hmm. So when you move them, when you move them before the draft, then then that team feels like they got value because they got picks this year, players yeah. this year, the guys that they've spent all year scouting. The Texans can go get another guy in the first round if they get Green Bay's back. Exactly. So that's what that's what I'm sticking with. I love how we're both sticking with quarterbacks there, but tis yeah. the league we play in. Tis yeah. the league we watch. Most important position that's out there. So, Agreed. You want to talk about some NBA now? Bring it on, my friend. We've got time. We've got time to talk about the NBA today. And we uh, this is going to be a thing that happens a lot more often. We're going to have to sharpen up because tell you what, we sound real educated for that first hour and 15 minutes. And we're still going to sound educated, but... So uh, the depth isn't there, I would say. Yeah, we're I mean, we're basketball fans, but we're not like 
it's another our our love for the NFL is, is another level. Uh, I would say right now, like what I listen to is slowly transitioning into basketball. It's still majority of football, but I'm listening to more basketball stuff now. So. Yeah, it's it's hard to have a life and be as big of. So like it's very hard to balance having a life and that's social relationships, work, anything that happens. And then to be a big of an NFL guys as we are, it's tough to kind of balance that at certain points. It's impossible to be that big on the NFL and that big on the NBA and still have a life outside of it. Right. Yeah. Now, if I was getting paid to do this, boy, I'll tell you what. That's a different story. Me. Don't yeah. text me. Don't call me. I am I am here in these two leagues right now, you know. Um, but that's you not know, the case yet. We might we might switch our platform to like OnlyFans or something like that to listen to podcasts. Yeah. You never know. Cause I gotta, I need to make some money Two shirtless dudes talking about sports for two hours might crush it on that platform. Yeah. If we never know. Yeah. I a hundred percent. If there's, there's guys that are, that are doing weird things out there and they're making money <laughs> off of it. I, I was gonna, <laughs> I don't know where you're going to go with that. So no, I, I just, I can't remember. I can never pronounce his name either. Bert, uh, Bert, Bert Kaiser, Kaiser. Yeah. Yeah. If Bert Kaiser can do a whole stand up routine with his shirt off, I think we could do a podcast with our shirts off, to be honest. You know, that's fair. Maybe he's, in, he's ridiculously successful. And that's crazy. Yeah. All three of our body types are about the same. So, you know, we can make that work. Yeah. Maybe that's in the future for us. We'll see. Yeah. Who knows? So into the NBA, um, some more centralized stuff that's obviously happened recently. Obviously, NFL is very scheduled week to week. We have games to talk about. We have, you know, the trade deadline that happened. The NBA, it's, you know, it's a game this night, six games the next night, an off night, and then 10 games. So it's very hard to talk about a game-by-game situation here. But obviously, we got to cover the big stuff. And the big stuff that happened this last week was John Morant's continued ascension into the higher ranks of players in the NBA. Um, He had 52 points on, what was it, Monday night, I want to say? Yeah, Monday night, I think. Um, Obviously, he was in the MVP race beforehand. A lot of people have been talking about that. It's just hard to take JoJo and Joker off the podium at this point, but John Moran is doing his damnedest to get there. Um, And also a fun fact, with that 52-point game, he set the franchise record for scoring for the Grizzlies in a single game. But also, um, another thing I thought was funny was the fact that he now owns four of the top five single-game scoring performances in Grizzlies history already. Hmm, He has one, two. I think Andre Miller has three, and then he has four and five. Wow. Very weird. It's also just – it shows just – how impressive he's been in the two years he's been there as well. Not even the full two years, like the year and a half. Half. Yeah. Let's, uh, let, uh, let's talk about kind of one of your headlines here. Uh, you know, MVP bolstering, you know, uh, and all this stuff. Um, if I see another post that John Morant is having a better season than MVP Derek Rose season, I'm going to lose my mind. Mm. Like, that drives me nuts. I love really? John Morant. I am I am a big John Morant guy, but like he is not quite there yet. He is getting close. This year is is close to peak Derrick Rose, but it's not there yet. That's what I have to say about that. That drives me nuts because I feel like there's definitely 
a generation and maybe I'm part of that generation like who overhype what Derrick Rose did because it was so crazy and he was so electrifying. And for a year, it was like the only year for a long time where somebody felt like they were better than LeBron James. Um, when it was, it was so unexpected. And I think another thing was just with how talented the league was, we're talking about 2010, 2011. We're talking okay. about prime Kobe Bryant, the Celtics, big three together. LeBron's in Miami the Knicks are relevant with Mello, Tyson Chandler, and Amari Stoudemire at the time. And here comes this kid as a 24-year-old MVP and is just taking it by storm. Yeah, yeah. I, I think John Morant is not quite there yet, but he is trending the right direction. That's kind of why I love Ja, is I think he reminded me so much of Rose. Um because, it, I mean, go back to one of our first episodes. I said I would take John Morant over a lot of guys. Like, he yeah. would have been my rising star. Like, I, I love John Morant. Not not peak Derrick Rose. Like, I just need I need to get that off my chest. But I, I love John Morant. I don't think – I think he deserves to be in the conversation for MVP. I don't think he's a legit candidate this year, I would say. I don't know what your thoughts are on that. But I, I, I love him. I love everything he's doing. I think – he's bolstering into one of the next stars of the league. That's for sure. I, I feel like now nah, again, I don't think there's a slam dunk MVP candidate at this point. I don't think anybody's ran away with the award by any stretch. I do think he is probably fourth at, at least on my list at this point. Cause Jojo and, and it's impossible. Like a lot of people have talked about Jojo all year for the MVP conversation. And I agree. And I love Joel Embiid, but the bottom line is Nikola Jokic won MVP last year. And statistically, he is having a better season this year than he did last year. Last year, right. He is averaging 13.5 rebounds in the game, which is second only to Rudy Gobert. He's still top 10 in assists, and I think he's still putting up 23 to 24 a night. So he, those names are both there. Um, and it depends on how you look at the MVP to decide how your – your uh, your rankings are going to be because I think LeBron James deserves to be in the conversation, but with the Lakers being the ninth best team in the West, a lot of people discredit that immediately. Um, well, I mean, here's the problem: the the it's it's kind of rigged, right? Like, let's let's just admit it. Like, uh, people are like, "Oh, the NFL won." The NBA is all storyline driven, right? Like, mm-hmm. it is not truly about who's the best; it's just about who's the best storyline that year. So, yeah, and. And the voters usually swing towards the best, the obvious best player on a top three team on either side. Exactly. Of, of the NBA. If your team is not a top three seed, you are not an MVP candidate, which in my opinion, I hate that narrative to it's be honest. So honest stupid. With you. So stupid. It shouldn't matter. Like, like it was Andrew Luck less of a quarterback because the Colts weren't winning as many games because he's getting sacked five times a night. No. It, it, it just it, it doesn't translate in my opinion take take out take LeBron off the Lakers they're they're a lottery pick team they plummet from the ninth best team to right down into 13 14 15 in the west to be honest with the, with the injury to Anthony Davis now there's a chance that the whole team goes under and Russell Westbrook takes over and they can somehow stay somewhat afloat, but they don't go any higher than nine. I can tell you that much. No way in hell. 
so and it, and that's the same thing with Jaw too. When I look at that Grizzlies team, and it's a talented team, they have some pieces. Jaron Jackson Jr. is had a really good year. Dylan Brooks is filling in really well at the three spot, but he is the guy that takes them over the hump. But at the same time, when you look at everybody that's, um, when you look at the NBA standings right now, there's a lot of good players, and also the top teams aren't really like made by a superstar like the heat Jimmy Butler like Jimmy Butler isn't the end-all be-all why the heater on top of the east right now it's because they have five or six guys like if you watch the heat's Instagram I see more posts about guys like Max Strauss Gabe Vincent than I do about Tyler Hero and Jimmy Butler at this point because there's every other night there's the backup shooting guard behind Tyler Hero drops 25 for some odd reason their their bench is really 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 good. Um, yeah, I would say that's that's the strongest point of the Heat is their bench is probably the, one of the best benches in the NFL. Yeah, the Bulls I think have Demar Derozan is definitely in the MVP conversation, um, and it's tough to put him there because what like if 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 I would have told you that you know Demar Derozan signs with the Bulls in the offseason like that's an MVP candidate this season, you would have sent me to the nut house faster than you could dial the phone to right, put but me it's, there. But it's interesting. You know, that's but a really it's, interesting one. It's happening. They are the second best team in the East. And remember, originally in the first two, three weeks of the season, they were up there. It was them and the Wizards were the top two teams in the East. The Bulls are still at two. The Wizards are at the, the 11th spot, sitting one spot out of the playing tournament at this point. So mm-hmm. one team's held and one team hasn't. And the Bulls, it's again, it's all pieces. Lonzo Ball was playing really good when healthy. Vujicic is filling his role down low. Their, their young pieces are developing. Zach Levine's been an animal this year, but DeMar DeRozan is putting them on another level right now. Yeah, absolutely. So, and the Grizzlies are in the third spot in the West too. And they're just, it's just because they've lost two more games than the Warriors, or they'd be over the Warriors right now. They both have the same amount of wins at 43. Yeah. So, I don't know. It's tough. But John Morant is, before the year, he was probably my third guy that I would have taken. When you're looking at like guys under 25, the same names always get brought up. Devin Booker, Donovan Mitchell, Jason Tatum, Luca, Trey Young, and mm-hmm. John Morant was the new guy kind of added to that list because he was drafted a year later. And all of a sudden, he is – my order going into the year probably would have been Luca, Jason Tatum, John Morant. He is surpassed JT at this point in my book. I would say and so, yeah. They, I it's I'm itching to put him over Luca at this point. Like I love Luca Doncic. He plays a great style of basketball, but John Morant is playing on a different level right now. I I I have a couple. I mean, one with Tatum. Tatum's kind of been at the level he's been at for three or four years now. The We've growth kind has of, kind of stopped. Yeah, like he, it. It almost feels like this is what he is, and and he's an all star caliber player, right? But it's not mm-hmm. like you know, an all pro or a, a, you know, a top 10 player in the league. Like we yeah, kind of, he's not, a, he's not an all jump. NBA first teamer. Everyone yes. thought he's going to be the next Kevin Durant. And I think the potential still there. Part right. of me thinks that he hasn't taken the next step because he hasn't had to offensively yet. Cause Jalen Brown is way better than anybody ever thought he would be. Right. Jalen yeah. Brown's been an animal and the, probably one of the better number two options in the game offensively at this point next to Jason Tatum. So 
I don't know that the the whole under twenty five debate is getting really really hard to do at this point. I'll tell you that much. It is, and and John Morant, I think all around as a player is a little bit more put together right now than Luca. Luca is a really good scorer, but he's kind of raw in a lot of other categories. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's where he falls short. And and John Morant is also always going to be talked about more because he's a highlight reel machine. Because Luca is too. But we saw the deep three by Jaw with the shot clock winding down in the full court heave from Steven Adams to Jaw on the catch and shoot for right. Monday. But I also saw him absolutely obliterate someone underneath the rim, and you're not going to see that ferocious of a dunk outside of Luca. Luca can make the the highlights from downtown and the crossovers and the flashy passes, but John Morant can do that as well, and he can just send someone to the graveyard underneath the rim. So he's always going to be in the headlines more. And also, guess what? The Grizzlies are the third best team in the West right now. The Mavs, the Mavs are a fifth. I thought the Mavs were a little bit worse off than fifth, to be honest. They're they're playing well this year. I mean, and that team has looked better since they got rid of Porzingis, so that helps as well. But mm-hmm. yeah. All right. You want to let you want to talk about Zion? Yeah. Uh, this is another another situation that is is surfacing the kind of the same way Kyler Murray is now where it's just a lot of drama off the court. Um, they're the way they've handled his injury situation has been questionable. I can understand protecting the number one overall pick at a certain point from injuries, especially at a guy at his size, but there's gotta be a line of the guy's got to play at some point. First of all, I don't know. I have thoughts on Zion. I think he's thinking? a bust at this point. Um, they've gotten what, what a, a quarter of a season, half a season out of the guy in in two or three years now. Mm-hmm. It's it's a mess. He doesn't seem invested. Doesn't want to be on the team. If if I'm the Pelicans, I'm looking to move him this offseason. Genuinely, I'm looking to move him because um, I think the the market is there. I think you move him while the market's there because it's obviously correct. doesn't want to play in New Orleans. And if even if you let him play next year, his Trade stock, like his trade stock is most likely only going to go down. Down, exactly. Because if it goes up, that means he's not on the market, most probably. Like if right. the if the trade value goes up, that means you're not going to move him. It's probably about as high as it's going to be right now. Um, And it's hard to, to label as a move. First of all, I'm going to do a TikTok about this too because I want to get this out to more people that aren't going to make it an hour and a half into our show. The whole Zion Williamson's comparisons to Greg Oden, asinine. Stop it's, it. It's early for that, but yeah. it's, I think even if he didn't play like, and we saw kind of, we're, we're seeing what we've seen from Zion and it's not going to happen anymore. Even then cut it because Zion is already 10 times the player in the NBA that Greg Oden never was. Now Greg Oden played at least 82 games in his first two years. He played 61 his rookie year and 21 his second year before he was out for three years. But Greg Oden's best year, he averaged 11 points and eight and a half rebounds. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, it's a it's a limited, you know, it's a, what am I saying? A smaller, a smaller sample size to look at. But Zion Williamson played 61 games last year, which is actually the exact, or no, Greg Oden averaged 11 and nine in 21 games in his second year before he got hurt. Zion last year played 61 games, 
he averaged 27 points and seven rebounds a game. So let's stop the – that comparison needs to die because Greg Oden never averaged 27 in the NBA. And even True. if he came out and averaged 15 and 15, it's still not anywhere near as impressive as 27 and 7 is. So the the whole injury timeline, if you want to look at it that way, the comparison might be there. The, the talent level, nowhere near it. Zion Williamson is extremely talented. And I lean more towards his side in this argument than most because I hate David Griffin. He's the GM of the, the Pelicans. And he was the GM in Cleveland when they brought Braun back in and they won the title in 2017. The only thing that David Griffin has done well, in my opinion, up until this point in his career as a GM with the Cavs and the Pelicans is that he has somehow won four draft lotteries. Mm-hmm. And he took – Anthony Bennett with one of them, who's one of the biggest draft busts in NBA history. He took Kyrie Irving with the other one, which has panned out. I'll give you that. Kyrie Irving is a a dynamic playmaker, but at the time was a kid that played 11 games at Duke and took him number one overall. There's a very solid chance that it didn't work out. I will still give you props that it did. He took Andrew Wiggins with the third one and then dealt him for Kevin Love to put around LeBron James, which worked. They've got a title out of it. And then they drafted Zion Williamson, who right now most people are labeling as a bust. So we're going to get two busts, Kyrie Irving, and then the Andrew, the Andrew Wiggins one is tough to look at just because they dealt it for Kevin Love on the same right. night. True. But I've never been a huge David Griffin fan. I was upset when he went to New Orleans because it's just like everything that's bad about New Orleans, I felt like is compounded by David Griffin to the second degree. Like, I was like, these things are bad, and he is going to make those things worse. Worse. Yeah. So, I don't know. I hope he gets out of New Orleans. Um, New Orleans has never really been a super prosperous franchise outside of the CP3 era that, you know, the, the two, three years that he played there. And, again, the where was the pinnacle of that? Like, what – I'm like, this was the peak years of your franchise. That peak wasn't even a finals run. Or even a Western Conference Finals run, to my knowledge. Mm-hmm. So it, it's tough because, and you look at Anthony Davis, who's been injury riddled the last two years, but we saw what he did last year and what he did in the bubble for Braun. They get, he got the Lakers over the hump and they won the finals, and he was a very big part of that finals team. Obviously, yeah. I mean, it's somewhat hard to say a hundred percent, like. Because I don't think AD was ever going to live out his full potential there. Um, no, I don't think any player can at this point. No, I, I, and and you look at the talent that's gone through there, and it's crazy. Anthony Davis, Lonzo Ball, you know, you just run through all the young talent that has I gone can keep through going. there. Brandon yeah. Ingram, Josh Hart, Drew Holiday was a Pelican once upon a time. Demarcus Cousins was a Pelican once upon a time. Right. There have been Chris Paul, obviously, was a Pelican once upon a time. For a There's long time. Been, there's been guys that have went in and out of that franchise and it just doesn't work. It does. It never works long-term at least. Right. No, it definitely doesn't. Um, I'm trying to remember what the head coach of the son's name is. I love him to death. Uh, Money wins. Mm-hmm. I'm going to, I'm going to fact check this. As I say it, I'm like 90% sure that Monty Williams was the head coach of the Pelicans at one point in his career. He was. Yeah. Yeah. With, um, when Chris Paul was there. Yeah, 2010 to 2015, he was the head coach of the Pelicans. Um, and he is now a coach of the year candidate for the best team out west in the Suns, who are 49 and 12. 
the first part of the season. Franchise so, cursed. Sell it, move it, do something with it. Move it, move it, move it, move it. Um, I don't know. So the Zion stuff is... I don't even know what title to put on it at this point. It's disappointing, but expected, honestly. Um, and a lot of people are like, how mad are you that you didn't take John Moran at one now, with you going to obviously right behind Zion. If they would have taken John Morant on that draft night and Zion Williamson did not go number one overall, David Griffin's head would have been on a spike in New Orleans to start with. Hindsight's always twenty twenty. It's always – when yeah. you look back at any draft, whether it's last year's or five years ago, it's real easy to be like, why didn't you take this guy? Why The the guy that was taking the pick behind him is 10 times the player you took. Why didn't you take that guy? Well, yeah, it's real easy when you can see how good the player is now to say that. Right. The NBA, but, the NBA draft is just throwing darts at a board and hoping you hit a bullseye. Mm-hmm. Like Draymond Green went in the second round. You know what and, I mean? And even if you don't hit a bullseye, Hope that the guy that was taken within the next five picks isn't the bullseye, at least. Right. You know? Yeah. Someone, someone that after you take, you're like, I just hope none of these guys work out because yeah. otherwise I'm going to get flamed. The Timberwolves took Ricky Rubio and Johnny Flynn, who both play the point guard position. Steph Curry went to pick after both of those guys. Yeah. Who would have thought Steph Curry would be where he is now? Do we have to talk about Steph Curry's draft night? Because he was almost a Nick. One more pick and he would have been a New York Nick. He would have been. That's definitely a Nick pick too. They wouldn't have passed on him. Oh yeah. He, he a hundred percent undersized guy that nobody's hurt or well had all the hype in the world that, you know, was falling down that that's a Nick right there. That had questions. Yeah. hundred percent. So yeah, the Zion stuff, we'll see what happens. I hope it gets dealt. I think there's a lot of teams that will be would be interested at this point. There's a lot of teams on draft night that were trying to go get him. The mm. I think the Pelicans, the story came out that the Pelicans were doing everything in their power to try to move other things to go to the number two spot and take Zion and Ja at one and two. And there's rumors early, early on in the season, maybe before the season started, that the the Hornets were trying to go get Zion and pair him with LaMelo Ball in, in Charlotte. So the, the trade interest is 100% there. There's a lot of young guards in this league that would love to throw lobs to Zion Williamson going forward. Hmm. So hopefully the Pelicans can get a deal done and it's beneficial for both sides. And hopefully um, Adam Silver can realize that the Pelicans as a franchise are just kind of a black hole and needs to be moved. But if you're going to move the Pelicans, I think you got to look at Sacramento too at this point. But who knows? I want to talk about a guy that's playing Sacramento here in a little bit and how he's been an absolute animal this year, obviously before he got there and since. Um, so we can kind of do these two together. I think um, let's, let's do the underrated MVPs first because okay. we've kind of, we've kind of already been there. So let's, let's kind of run through this somewhat quickly. Okay. Um, I, to John T. Murray, I, I think that's an interesting one. Um, so when I'm looking at uh, underrated MVP guys, I'm saying guys that are nowhere near the MVP conversation, but I feel like are guys that are having really good years that mm-hmm. are always obviously like DeJounte Murray's not going to stack up next to John Morant at all. And right. And other guys on this list, the other bigs on this list are not going to stack up next to Jojo and Joe or next to Jojo and Jokic, but are playing at an extremely high level right now. And gotcha. at an uns- unexpected high level as well um 
So I, I originally had like a spot where both of us could put four or five names, but it was also that was like as we were literally about to press record. So mm-hmm. I didn't want to add it another thing onto your plate. Gotcha. So I added some names here. And if you think of anybody, feel free to tack in. Um, but these are some guys I feel like are playing at a really high level that aren't getting talked about enough because they're not playing at a high enough level to be MVP candidates. Okay. So DeJounte Murray is the first guy. And I know that in the limited time we've gotten a chance to talk about the NBA this year, I've mentioned him before, um, is really stepped into another level in San Antonio at this point. Um, he's a perfect guard to play in a, in a Greg Popovich system. Um, he's six, four at the point guard spot and he boasts a six ten wingspan, which always obviously bodes well for his defensive capabilities. Mm-hmm. This year he's averaging 20 points, eight and a half rebounds, nine and a half assists and two steals a game. And he's doing it efficiently as well. He's, uh, his, uh, he's also shooting 46% from the field, 32% from downtown. So Dang. And only two and a half turnovers, which is a little high, but when James Harden's putting up four game, nothing looks high in the turnover category. So he's played an extremely high level. Um, and I think if he was in the East, he probably should have been an all-star, but it's, it, he doesn't make a lot of highlight plays, so it's hard to catch him on Sports Center. And again, the Spurs are not in the play-in tournament, I can tell you that. And they're mm-hmm. 24 and 38. They're two spots out of the play-in tournament. Albeit just two games out of the playing tournament back from the Pelicans at this point. But he's played an extremely high level. And he, I don't know. I like DeJounte Murray a lot. He's just a guy that I've really fallen in love watching. I think he just plays the game the right way. 20 and night, he's putting up solid numbers. He's distributing the ball well. He crashes the boards. And defensively, two steals a game. Just been an animal this year. Um, so that's guy one on my list. And if you have a guy, feel free to interject. Mm-hmm. Um, the next guy here, uh, Jared Allen, uh, ended up being an all-star, um, filled in for, was it Kevin Durant? Maybe I'm not sure who he filled in for, but was traded from Brooklyn to Cleveland. Um, Oh, oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. I can't remember exactly what that deal was. I feel like that was part of the, the Kara Silver deal originally, part of, through, part of the way through the year. Maybe something like that, yeah. Which it was sad to see because this is the, the Nets, before they got Katie and Kyrie two years ago, were kind of an underdog story. Um, D'Angelo oh, Williams and... They were 100% about the team. D'Angelo, D'Angelo, D'Angelo Russell... Russell. Yeah. Russell was kind of the headline of that team, but yeah, it was all about uh, being a complete package. And then Kevin Durant came and they blew it all up to get Kyrie. So. Yeah. They blew up a lot of the role pieces around it since then as well. Jared Allen was one of those casualties, but it's a guy that's averaging 16 points, 11 boards a game. Um, I believe he's averaging about one and a half blocks, almost to steal a game solid from the field. And, it's just has been a guy that has just done the job. Mm-hmm. And it's honestly in today's day and age, this is the last guy I want on my roster come contract extension time. Cause he's too good to give a small contract to at 23 years old playing the way that he is, but also not good enough to demand that big money. 
not good enough to demand the big money. And even if he was, it's so hard to pay an old school style center that much money. Yeah, that's fair. Like it's like paying DeAndre Drummond, DeAndre Jordan contract out because 16 and 10 and he's playing. The thing about Jared Allen is he does a lot of things that don't or aren't going to show up in a box score. And when you look at player efficiency rating, which is a, a stat that ESPN uses a lot and that the NBA uses, it, it calculates everything together and kind of gives you the overall look at what this guy does when he's on the floor. He's 14th in the league right now. Um, and there's some guys up here that you wouldn't expect to be up here. And the guys that I'm going to mention later on are also guys that are kind of higher up on the list than you would expect. But like, obviously like Giannis is at one, Jokic is at two. And beads at three. Those are the only three guys above 30. And then the, the guy at four is LeBron at 26. This is usually the stat where you get to this point in the season. LeBron's like 35 and the next guy's like 29. Mm-hmm. But he's sitting at a 23 player efficiency rating right now. So he's just, he's on the floor a lot and he just makes winning plays. He's there on the defensive end of the end of the ball, crashes the boards well. He just does his job. And he's not a guy that takes away from anything else anybody does, you know? Mm-hmm. So Jared Allen's another guy that I, I really have enjoyed watching this year as well. The next guy. I, I have some qualms with this. I, I don't okay. think you can be an underrated MVP candidate and then been traded midseason. Okay. Fair enough. And and again, it's, it's hard to gauge – any team that is vying where anything less than a finals run is a failure. And I think that's where Brooklyn's at right now. Mm-hmm. Any, any super team of that caliber, any team of that caliber is like, if we don't win the East, it's a fit. It's a wash of a season. Like right. I have Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and now Ben Simmons. At one point I had James Harden with those other two guys. Anything less than a finals run is a failure. You know, I would agree. Yeah. So so it's hard it's harder to gauge those trades, but he's just I don't know. He's a guy that's just played winning basketball and he's made headlines, but it's because he Have we said that we're talking about Sabonis? I don't think we have. Yeah, he's coming up. Okay. He's definitely coming up. Um but Jared Allen made the headlines most I think the biggest headline that he made this year outside of like a dunk on somebody was he was at All-Star Weekend, and he's probably dressed the way that you and I would go to All-Star Weekend. He had like a... Oh, yeah, I saw that. Yeah, you remember the, the long sleeve, you know, just the, the lightweight yeah. hoodie and like some khaki jeans and some Vans on. I was like, yeah, I can't believe they were talking for that. I'm sorry, I thought we had moved on to Sabonis, so no. I was confused. Okay. Well, I mean, both guys have been traded midseason, so I can't I can't tag you there. Yeah, I met, I, met, I met the next guy talking about Sabonis. I don't think you could be... This season, since he was traded this season, it's tough to put him in that conversation. Yeah, he's he's played an extremely high level this year. Um, it's another guy that's he's 16th right now in player efficiency rating. He's averaging about 19 points, 12 rebounds, and five assists a game, shooting 58% from the field, 32% from downtown, which in today's day and age – is just a really good rebounding four, but he plays the five. He stretches the floor well and has been a huge boost to the Kings since he's gotten to Sacramento. And he was, he was a big reason why Indy had was playing so well. The thing, I mean, I think he wasn't going to resign. That's why Indy wanted to move him. And then also, um, 
the Kings were going to give up Tyrese Halliburton, which uh, nobody really saw happening um, at first. Like Tyrese Halliburton wasn't a guy on the block, I guess, going into the deadline. Mm-hmm. So the Kings are are three and two in their last five, which isn't world breaking, but for the Kings, it kind of is. Um, is that no, no, no? That's the beginning of the year. Let's get down to. Haha, this is worse. I wish I would have just stuck and been wrong. They're one and four in their last five, but okay. He's uh they they bit off a decent I'm trying to remember when was the deadline. I can't remember if it was like three weeks ago. Yeah, I'm trying to like look at the dates and remember when he got there. But they were on a a horrible eight game losing streak. They beat Brooklyn, lost to Golden State, beat OKC. And they had a streak where they were four and two in six games before they ripped off this four game losing streak before being OKC this last week. But they, they, I felt a spike. Like I felt some noise coming out of Sacramento for the first time. And that's another thing is Sabonis got there and I was like, well, I'm not going to hear about that guy for the next three years or at least until he leaves. And his name stayed relevant. I was like, oh my God, the Kings won two games in a row. What is happening? So obviously it's not, it hasn't been some earth shattering shift in the Kings franchise, but Sabonis is another guy that's even in Indy was playing at a, at a high level. And I liked how I just, I like stretch bigs to start. So mm-hmm. I, he has a boost for me right out the gate. Um, But I, I just like the way that he plays basketball and I think he's had a, a good year and People have talked about him, but it's been, you know, for the trade and him landing in Sacramento and how that's going to go and their contract talks come off season time. So it's a bonus to another guy I've, I've really enjoyed watching this year. I'm curious to see what his future looks like in Sacramento, but I do, I do like him overall. I do. I think he's a good player. Yeah. It's just, it's so difficult when you take out Joel Embiid and Nikola Jokic. What big man are you going to pay the big money deal to be kind of the cornerstone of your franchise? Nobody. I don't even think one. Bam's going to get close to that kind of money. So He's going to make a decent bit, but it's because players in the NBA are overpaid more often than not. Yeah, I mean, there, there's a chance. I mean, if he wants to stay with the Heat, he probably won't get overpaid with the Heat. That's for sure. But. Yeah, Pat Riley isn't a huge fan of it, and that that's a team that plays basketball. It's not a player-driven yeah, you can fill Bam's shoes pretty quickly. So Yeah. And then the last guy, kind of a smaller, I wouldn't say footnote, but definitely more of a role player type guy. Robert Williams, uh, for the Celtics. Um plays their center spot. Is another guy that is the top twenty in PER this year. He's playing about thirty minutes a night. He's only averaging about ten and ten. But the thing that Robert Williams, I think, has been so effective is the defensive uptick that the Celtics have had during this last this win streak that they've been enjoying in the last, I'd say, I want to say like 10 or 20 games maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, he's been a huge part of it. Like we talked earlier about Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, and like offensively those guys are studs. But it's the defensive side of the ball where they seem to have been losing games. And since January 29th, so it's been a, just about a month, uh, just over a month, they have lost two games. 
and somehow one of them was to Detroit by one, and then the Pistons beat them by 20. Other than that, they ripped off a solid it's five, six, seven, eight, nine-game win streak, and they were 12-2 and two through 14 games. And he was a huge part of that. The, the team kind of bought in. The offense was still flowing as good as it was. And Marcus Smart and Robert Williams, the the defensive things that they were doing and just adding to that Celtics roster took them over the hump. And I think he's a big part of why they were able to kind of right the ship. Because coming out of, going into February, this is a Celtics team that like should be a top four seed. And they were barely um, – they were like in the play-in tournament. Now they're the sixth seed. I still think they can go higher, but the, obviously they're still climbing out of a hole at this point. And I think Robert Williams had a big part of why they're climbing out. Yeah, yeah, I would say I'd say they they've been a huge disappointment this year. I think that that'd be fair to say about the the Celtics. I mean, I had them as the one seed out of the East. I think so. Yeah, and I uh, think anything outside of a top four seed, they were looking at as kind of a disappointment. Yeah, um, this team is talented, so. Yeah, to to get to where we are in the season, and somebody would have told me that the Cavaliers would be higher higher seeded than the Celtics at this point, I would have put you in the middle hospital. Right. So, exactly. But that's that's where we're at right now. Um, the Cavs are a half a game ahead of the Celtics for the five seed right now. So, Celtics are climbing. I think Robert Williams has a big a big part of that. So those are four guys that I think have played really well this year. And I like what they're doing on the basketball court. And I think it doesn't show up in the stat sheet all the time. Obviously like 10 points, 10 rebounds isn't earth shattering. And even Sabonis is 18 and 11 isn't crazy in the grand scheme of things, but what they've done for their teams this year have been huge. Big. Yeah. Impactful to say the least. Alrighty. Well, we've got our, our top 75 NBA topic here. Do you think we have time to kind Hell of get no. into this? Seven minutes, that's nowhere near enough, my friend. I didn't we, think so. We, we don't even, it's not even like, we could probably spend 20 to 30 minutes talking about that. So yeah. I, don't, I don't think we have, I don't want to squeeze it in. I'd rather. Uh, I'd rather I'd take rather, my time. Exactly. I agree. All righty. Well, there's your preview for next week. We're going to talk about uh, the NBA top set or their 75th anniversary team. ESPN went through and ranked all 75 of those players, and they added the 76 on to the end for some reason. So it's going to be – I want it to be more centered around the team and who's on it, who's not on it. But we're definitely going to delve into the rankings because ESPN, while they got some things right, I think they also got – They were wild with some wrong. of them for sure. Yeah. Um, so – and that one, it's going to be interesting to try to navigate that a little bit because, again, that's an impossible task. If you told me whether you're going to pay me or not or any time, amount of money, told me to go sit down and sort all 75 players that are on that anniversary team in order from 1 to 75, it would take – first of all, it would take me a ridiculous amount of time, and you're bound to get something wrong eventually. And what's right to you is wrong to me and vice versa for everybody. So that, no one will ever be happy with a list. Yeah. No. There, there's just no way it's not going to happen. Um, so yeah, we're with that being said, we're not happy with the list and we're going to talk about it next week. <laughs> so um, that's going to do it for episode 21 of the Owen show. Uh, make sure you go follow us on Twitter. Owen underscore Burke. 
Go follow Pissworm Takes on Twitter as well. Make sure you follow our TikTok account, a Boys Don't Lie podcast on TikTok. Like I said, going to be making a TikTok about Greg Oden. I've got some tweets lined up that I'm going to talk about on there. So definitely going to be some content coming that way, as well as our, our 82 and 72 and 0 challenges. Going to keep coming. So, Tim, anything to add before we get out of here? No, uh, we'll we'll be out with the show next week. Yeah, we're back back to your regularly scheduled programming. It was a good week off, but we were itching to get back, and it feels so good to to hit the stop button and get this show uploaded for you guys. So, with that being said, that is going to do it for episode twenty one. Uh, make sure you guys go listen to BDL out on Friday, and uh, just keep it locked for all the content that we got coming. There's a lot of stuff coming out with one on one in the mansion as well. Um, so follow us on all of our social medias. Go listen to everything we've got coming out now. Other than that, we'll see you guys next week. Stay, stay safe, stay healthy. We'll see you guys then.